What's the story, everyone? Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm delighted to be joined here by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast to run through all the weekend's club action in both football and hurling. Certainly, plenty of talking points in both football and hurling championships at the weekend, provincial championships, and we certainly get into the more nitty gritty stages now of uh, various club championships up and down the country. We're brought to you by Declan Kirby, GA Star, Best Children's GA Book out there in the market at the minute you can find it on amazon easton's all good bookshop so make sure to check them out when you get a chance matthew how's things with yourself obviously we were speaking off air there it's been a hectic weekend for sport from rugby soccer gaelic football hurling absolutely everything all across the board so uh how have you kept up with it all yeah it's been a hard job i suppose aaron and thanks for having me on again in the channel yeah it's it's been tough, I suppose, like especially today, uh, when you when you look at the games like the bars and uh, Ballet, first of all, then the other ones for so semi final, uh, the World Cup. Obviously, we're talking about that off air. Uh, how back it's hard work, but um, but hopefully we'll entertain a lot of people so they'll take their eyes off the World Cup a small bit because that game was absolutely dreadful earlier on today. As I said off air, I was just watching the second half and I watched probably the worst bit of it. But um, after that as well, Ireland's for his family, which produced a very good winner from County Loud. So and Davy Fitz was the coach. So um Waterford fans um had a good day to be honest. Davy Fitz winning Ireland's for his family and Ballygunner winning today as well. So they'll have a good future again next year. So um yeah, looking forward to the chat and a hectic weekend and hopefully um we'll enlighten a load of people about GA rather than the rugby and soccer, which has kind of dominated the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, and there certainly were still plenty of uh, plenty of good club games. I mean, I certainly much rather watching the Downs versus Ratout or Croaks versus Port Arlington as opposed to that World Cup game, which I did watch. And second half was, uh, as we were saying off air, just very very hard watching in more ways than one. But yeah, looking at the Leinster Club Senior Football Championship action, first of all, we'll discuss the first game that was live on Saturday night. It was the Downs two twelve. Rattled 17 points. Probably the game of the weekend in terms of Gaelic football anyway from what I've seen. Obviously, we'll have to see some of the highlights of, of some of the other games. But look, what a huge, huge result for, for the Downs in the end. I mean, I know it got sort of shaky at the end. Obviously, they go down to 14 men. Rattled hit four or five points without reply. Um, and they obviously have that late chance from Jack Flynn, which obviously flies wide in the end. So they sort of avoid going to extra time. But what were your thoughts on this? I mean, a, a good, good result for the Downs and I suppose big up to, to Westmead Club Football getting a side into a, a Leinster final. Absolutely, yeah. I suppose it was, it was a good game to start things off. Like, yeah, 10 points to one seven and a half time, 14 different scores across both sides in the first half, 30 minutes of football. That was incredible. And you look at the conditions there in Crow Park, it looked absolutely biblical, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, some very good performances. Even Dottie McGowan, who didn't get man of the match for uh, Rattles, I thought he was superb. Uh, six points, three for play. And maybe there's an argument, I know he's left-footed, but could he have taken that last three rather than Jack Flynn? 
you know, like um, I know it's uh, close enough to the sideline, but he was banging the ball over all night, really. Jack Flynn missed a few, and as soon as he walked up to the ball, I thought he was going to miss, to be honest with you. But Rattles and fearless to them, they got back into the game, they showed grit and desire. Um, the Downs, well, the goals made the difference. So I suppose Luke Lockton, excellent. And what a story. We've mentioned it so many times on the podcast. What a story he's had throughout the year himself. Noel Mitchell got a goal as well. Um, that goal in the first half was crucial because I actually think Rattles had the run of the Downs and then the Downs get that goal and then Look, um, it opened up then the lead. But then Rattles, after that, they scored three points in additional time to level it. So they came back into the game very, very well. Um, but I suppose the start of the second half killed uh, the Mead champions. Uh, indeed, like it was a hard watch for them. But um, yeah, the Downs went through. Very good performance from them. And yeah, for the two managers' interviews as well, like it, it just summed up what club meant to them as well. Um, it doesn't matter about statistics. It doesn't matter about reactions and stuff like that. And I think David Brady was mentioning um, the bus nearly being late for the game because they were stuck in traffic or something like that. And they were worried about that. And yeah, it probably shows the importance of the club. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, that emotional interview and off the ball as well, I'd really recommend you listen to it as well. It's very good. And he didn't get in the fight, Aaron, which was um, kind of a surprise. Maybe he just behaved himself because he was on live television. But um yeah, very good win for the Downs and fair play to everyone involved there. They're in the Easter final, which no one expected at the start of the year. So um, I know they're playing Kilbert Cote there, but it's a brilliant achievement to get to a final in Crow Park and brilliant achievement, brilliant year for Luke Lachlan. Yeah, and as you were saying there, like they play very, very good football. Like 2-12 to rack up in a score game or in a, a club game is obviously highly impressive. And, you know, like they wear down to 14 men for nearly half of the you know, second half, about 13, 14 minutes plus plus injury time. And as you said, with Luke Lachlan, Noel Mitchell, obviously Ian Martin as well, like a lot of very, very good players. And, you know, like they really took the game to Rath out. They really went for them. Um, and I suppose it is good to see, you know, I thought Clonmel commercials, Nemo Rangers, both playing attacking good football. You had Wally Graham's Glenn versus Ergo Kieran that I thought was a good game. Now, I know a lot of people say the Chemical Croaks, Port Arlington game wasn't a great game and I would agree with that but I think generally when you've looked at a lot of club games this year they do seem to be quite entertaining and they have been good watches which I think is good to see because I do remember last year like there was a lot of very defensive cagey matches whereas so far this year in the provincial club championships they do seem to be a lot more entertaining and, and certainly a lot more value for money for, for supporters going to these games. I have to agree, yeah. And even look, I know the Dom scored two twelve was impressive, but you look at Rattle scoring seventy points as well for the losing team. That was that was just as impressive. It was absolutely brilliant. And when you look at the thirty points from play for Rattle, two nine from play for the Dom's, absolutely brilliant spectacle and great shooting accuracy as well. For example, the Dom's at seventy percent shots over the bar or in the back of the net. So that was absolutely incredible from them. And yeah, I agree with you with the club. I think. The standard has gone up, way, way up over the last few months. And even, look, I've been to loads of junior matches in Cork and I couldn't believe the quality out of it. And I suppose it's down to the players up and down the country putting so much into club when you think about it. Like, And maybe, like, don't know, Cusack was one of those against the split season at the start of the year or at the end of um, July when the all the final. He was saying the game of hurling knocked oxygen, for example, and Pat Spillane was another one, I think it was in uh, the football game but I think it's been absolutely brilliant because it's given the players a bit of a rest in about August 
and then go hell for later around September, October, and hell for later even more now, November, December, once we reach crunch time. So I think it's been absolutely incredible when you when um, break it all down, really. And I think the split season's been a success. There's been a load of iffy, iffy moments saying, oh, soccer has taken up the mantle, rugby's taken up the mantle, uh, TV shows have taken up the mantle this winter and stuff like that. And, like I would, I would guess a lot of GA fans, yourself, myself, a lot of others up and down the country would have watched that game last night between the Downs and the uh, Rattle because, like, the Ireland game was wasn't on until eight o'clock. That uh, Ireland Australia game, and to be honest, that was a good appetizer before that Ireland game. And on, while we're on the Ireland game, that wasn't great at all, to be honest with you. So, to be honest, Rattle to the Downs provided much more entertainment than Ireland Australia or Kilmacoke Crokes did in the whole night. So fair play to both sides, to be honest. And even if Rattle lost the game, I think they could hold their heads high. And it probably just shows that the split season has worked. A lot of players, even the county players, are putting so much into club now. When you look at Luke Lachlan, he's had a brilliant year for Westmead. And he easily could have been tired after that Talentian Cup victory. But he had time to recuperate. He's now he won a Westmead Championship. And he's still hitting like the likes of five points in this game, something like three points from play. And he's setting up scores as well and doing a load of skill moves in the game, which were absolutely outstanding as well. So I think the split season season has worked a with a plan, really. Uh, what, what do you think yourself, Aaron? Do you think the split season has worked or hasn't it really? Yeah, I think I think it's probably early to tell still. Like I mean, but like it's been highly entertaining, and I think it is good to to not have intercounty matches interfere with club games. You know, especially provincial games. Like I like that these games are get, are now getting their own attention. You know, RT are covering them week in week out. TG Cahar are covering them as well. You know, being able to get double headers in in Crow Park. Like I think it can only be good for the game. You know, that the game sort of kicks on a bit more, and it's sort of spoken about more and you know i know there's you know i don't know what it's like in cork but i know here in dublin anyway like this there's, there's always sort of been a huge appetite for inter, for, for dublin at inter-county level but i think because there's so many clubs in dublin and there's so many like there's not really community there is communities and parishes and stuff like that but in dublin it's a lot more clubs are a lot more spread out like you'd have some people like i live in Whitehall, but my, my more local club would, would sort of be St. Vincent's, really, if I'm being honest. But Whitehall would actually be very close to me as well. Nafina wouldn't be far. Ballymun wouldn't be far. Do you know, like, so I feel like it'd be good to sort of see the club game kick on for people to have a bit more of an interest in it. Um, you know, and even from a neutral point of view as well, because I think most Gaelic football fans, if they watched the Downs and Rathout on Saturday, I think they would have been entertained. They would have been entertained because it was a very, very entertaining game. Um and even I was watching the, the final 15, 20 minutes with my girlfriend at the time. And even she was enjoying the game and she's not even into Gaelic football. So that goes to show sort of what can actually happen, you know, if you actually sit down and watch it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And I suppose another thing that was a factor of this and I, I was Stephen thinking even junior matches in Cork, like the, the spectators there was absolutely incredible. Like in local grounds, like I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be far from them, and they're literally next to you know farms and things like that. And there was a load of people at these junior finals and stuff like that, and even senior, intermediate, whatever the grade. I think a big pull to that was probably COVID. I know it was bad at the time, but it probably showed what we were missing. What we were missing just watching these um, lads go out in the field, uh, represent their clubs and their parishes. In Cork, I suppose it was 
it was a bit of a 50-50. Like, you could see the passionate support from the Bowers, the passionate support from Nemo. There was flares going off even when Nemo won um, the football title. I suppose um, the big thing in Cork, it, it, uh, compared to Dublin now, you were saying there was a load of clubs close to you. With Cork, they're all spread out even. Like, when you, when you see, there's a club called Oran in Cork. It's basically on the Bear Peninsula. It's way, way off uh, West Cork, to be honest with you. And they can't nearly get a game. Some people were even joking, there's no Wi-Fi there. And, that, like, you know, it's in them sorts of clubs. They go into these championships and they're in a county championship now next year in the Cork a Premier Junior Championship and that that's brilliant to see at the same time and yeah the dogs are rattles when you when you think about it like um, you weren't um affiliated with it because you're a dog I'm from Cork I wouldn't have been affiliated with it either I was still watching the game doing stats and I was enjoying it I was literally off my seat um with excitement in the last few minutes of the game. It was incredible it was an incredible game to watch and even like we even mentioned um, on this podcast before, the Ireland Australia game, the Qatar and the Ecuador game, they were absolutely terrible. And when you look at the Rattles and um, the Downs game, and even the Pierce Bally Gunner game today, which we'll get on to later, they were incredible games of football and hurling, respectively. They were they were incredible quality. And the quality has gone up, the interest has gone up. And honestly, I think COVID has played a big factor, really. Um, but yeah, it's it's been brilliant having these club games and Honestly, I think the split season has been absolutely outstanding. It's been very good for clubs, very beneficial. And I think the boom is back with GA. Um, I su- yeah, I, I suppose there was even a big crowd in Crow Park. Like, I think, what did David Brady mention last night? I think it was 10,000 people at it. There might not have even been that. But, like, even, I, could, I was watching on TV now, but even I could hear that the crowd was even getting jizzed up towards the end of the game. You know, and it, there was an interest there. Like, it was incredible to see. Incredible uh, fans and even the tears in the eyes of the Downs people reaching a provincial final, they're back in Crow Park again. They won't probably never experience that again after this year. You know, it's it's incredible. It's incredible the way they got to the final as well. So, yeah, I, I think um, the club game has risen in standards and people have got excited over it. 100%. Yeah, we've seven people tuning in there at the moment. So if they could hit the like button, it would be very much appreciated. Get your comments in live as well as to what you thought of uh, this weekend's club action um, and even what games you were watching that can be intermediate junior. Feel free to, to get them into the into the comment section. Um, but as you were saying there, from a Rattel perspective, look, they can definitely take a, a lot of positives from how they played. You know, as you said, Dahi McGowan, very impressive. Six points from him. You'd imagine he's sort of putting his hand up to, to maybe come into the mead panel. Um, and I'm sure Colm O'Rourke, you know, surprised he wasn't at the game. Um, I don't know if he was at the game and maybe the cameras just didn't go at him, but I thought maybe he might be at the game. But nonetheless, I'm sure he was watching wherever he is and taking note of a few of those players because um, some very, very good, impressive performances from Rathout and getting to a semi-final, playing in Crow Park. Like, look, it can only, it can only bode them well for the future. Absolutely, yeah. It, it was uh, incredible there. And uh, you look at um, Rattles all over the field, even Eamon Wallace a few few years back, he was a beat senior. I think actually realised before I even watched the game, he was a centre-back with the scores he was getting and the pace he has. And I, I suppose it does show his versatility as well in the team. And Rattles had a few young players coming on. David Brady was um, it was all praise for him in his post-match interview as well. When you look at the young players, actually, Key Rogers, Jack Flynn. I think they were on beat under 20 teams at times as well. And they were excellent players. 
when you look at Brian McMahon as well, I think he's an excellent player as well and could put his hand up to Colin O'Rourke as well. Kyle Rooney, who came on and got a point. Keith McCabe, decent player. Like, Rathos have very good players all over the field. I just think they were hip to the post and maybe... I know Rathos gave all they had in the game, but I think sending off had a big, major impact on the game. When, when you look back at it, I think um, it was kind of a needless tackle. But I think it was uh, Andrew Kilmartin that made that tackle towards the end. I think it was really uh, stupid when they were when they were cruising in the game and he makes that tackle. He will be available for the next game, so thank God for that because um, he scored two points himself. He was pretty good. Like even Jonathan Lynham, like, like there was a lot of West Meath players actually on the Downs team. I actually um, forgot Jonathan Lynham is another one. Luke Lachlan, Noel Mitchell is obviously a hurler as well. So, and even Dar Egerson, I think he's a hurler as well at uh, cornerback. So, like they have, they have a good few, um, they have a good crop of players. But I suppose Kilmacourt will be a big, big, big test. Like when you look at the way Kilmacourt put away Port Arlington, like I mean, they they look unstoppable and. I don't know when Paul Mannion's going to come back. If he's going to come back for the Downs game, I know the Downs play brilliant, but it's going to be a whole new level now with uh, with Paul Mannion and Shane Walsh, Roger and Dyke McGowan and Eamon Wallace, if you know what I mean. I know they performed pretty well for Rattles, but Shane Walsh and Paul Mannion are two of the best players in the country. This is a new challenge, a completely new challenge. So they'll, they'll definitely relish us, no doubt about it, but I think Kim McCord would be too strong for them to be honest with you they'll put up a good fight but Kim McCord look yeah, cream, cream of the crop at the moment yeah like I, I do think Mannion's out until the new year last time last time mm-hmm. I heard um, possibly the, the new year but unless he's going to make an early recovery I'm not not entirely sure but yeah like I don't think it should be legal to, to have both of those two in, in the same team like just you know it, it, it's, it's hard enough to stop them even when Walsh goes off they you know they were really good but yeah, I suppose we will discuss that game. Kilmichael Croaks won 12, Port Ireland and four points. Uh, the second game that was obviously live on RTE. Like, dominant, dominant performance from Kilmichael Croaks. Like, the, you know, just really put Port Ireland to the side. It was comprehensive, comfortable, you know, really, really good performance from them. I've seen some people saying Croaks, like, played poorly, which I was surprised by. I know in the second half, they probably sort of took their foot off the gas and, you know, they only scored 112, which maybe isn't the highest number, but... Like it, the game was done and won at half time. It was it was game set and match. There was no way back for this Port Harland inside. And you know when you think about it, Nace gave Kilmichael Croaks problems last year. Croaks have now brushed them aside. Port Harland gave them problems last year. Croaks have now brushed them aside. Like they're really really putting in some command and command and performances. And um, it's going to take you know some stopping really. It is yeah, and I, I suppose. Like it was a situation where Kim McCord weren't playing exactly well at the moment. Like I don't think they played to their full potential. I think Jason Sherlock mentioned in commentary that um they have a few more gears to go up on. I definitely agree with that. I just think they got their tactics spot on. Like when you look at even the kickouts, like Port Arnison were under pressure. They couldn't even get out of their own defensive zone. You know, it was it was um incredible to watch. I think I don't think Port Arnison actually had a shot for play until like the twenty fifth minute or something. So that just shows how dominant they were in this game. And they only scored two points for play themselves, Port Arlington. I think Adam Ryan got the last two points. And the first of those was, I think, in the 48th minute of the game. I mean, that just shows Kim McCord were just in complete control. They could even take Shane Walsh off at the start of the second half and still stroll to victory. Craig Diaz, I think, went off as well, stroll to victory. I mean, it, it was incredible to watch. I suppose... 
to start things off, I think they got a fluky goal. I think you mentioned, you'd admit that yourself, Aaron. It was a, a completely fluky goal by Andy McGowan. But since then, they, they were they were in complete control. And um, Port Arlington had no answer to it. I suppose the disappointing aspect for Kim McCord, I don't think they scored a point from play until I think it was the last two minutes of the second half when all the subs started coming on and things like that. So that would be a worry for um for Robbie Brennan and his management team. That that would be definitely a worry. But you you might call it a worry, but Port Arlington were well off it. I know Marty Morrissey and RT was trying to big it up in the second half. He was saying Port Arlington do have a good team and they will make a fist of it in the second half. But I think everyone just knew. I know Colin Murphy's a good player. Jake Foster's a good player. But we just knew, looking at the first half, this was game over. This was game over after about 20 minutes. You know, And I'd say most people would have switched over to the rugby after halftime, maybe even before that, to watch analysis or something. You know, it was, it was that kind of a game. It was it petered out towards the end. And uh, yeah, Kim McCord were complete control of the game. But that goal at start really kick-started um, their victory. Yeah, and as you said there, like I thought Darren Mullen was very impressive as well. Three points from from him, Shane Cunningham, Craig Diaz. Like they just have so many options all across the pitch. And yeah, from a Port Ireland Port Arlington perspective, like I was seeing even your stats on your Instagram, GEA Statsman, for anyone looking to check it out. Like only nine shots in total from from Port Arlington, which was uh, was something that I almost expected, to be honest, because I mean, maybe not so before the game, but sort of after the game, because they just couldn't really create chances at all. Like, in the amount of turnovers Kimmel Crokes were getting from the likes of Craig Diaz, Ben Shovel, and Darren Mullen tracking back, like, the turnovers were absolutely brilliant. And the energy that they play with, you know, the sync that they play with, it's passive move in many ways. They're always on the go, always on the move. And, you know... Like, I think it's going to be very hard for any club team to contain them this year. It is, yeah. And even, even like, not just the turnovers, the kickouts, as I mentioned earlier as well. Like, Kilbacode were just dominant in midfield. Like, you look at Craig Diaz, he was literally all over the Port Arnett midfield. I, I could see Port Arnett Port weren't a disgrace, to be honest with you. I just think they were beaten by a better team. You could mm. even see centre forward, I think it was Ronan Coffey. He was trying to play passes. He was trying his best. But Kim McCord just packed the defence and it was just so simple at times. Um, I, I just think it'd be interesting to see if they come up against probably a stronger team. Um, I don't think they'll get that against the Zones, to be honest, which I know the Zones uh, provided a good game earlier on against Rattles, but I don't think they'll pr- prove much of a chance, to be honest, with this Kim McCord team, the form they're in at the moment. Um, Munster, I don't think there's much coming out of it. If who is Aero Guinness, um, Carmel Commercials, I don't think they will, to be honest with you. So, I don't think Kilbacode will actually get a test before the All Ireland final, which can be a hindrance when you think about it. Like, when you look at the other side of the draw, you have Ulster, Connacht, well, Mike Holland didn't look good today, and um, we'll get on to them in a bit. But you have Watty Graham's Lynn, who looked very good, but that'd be that'd be kind of the worry for Kilbacode, I think, because Watty Graham's Lynn would most likely have uh, Kilku in the Ulster final. That'll be a test. That'll be a battle, you know. So I think that's going to be a worry. I, I, I said on John's podcast, or, or uh, I said it to John anyway during the week, John McMahon, that um, uh, Port Arnes will actually put up a real test. That this would be probably Kim McCall's biggest test before the Ireland final. At no stage of the game, it looked that way. Maybe at the start with Colin Murphy put that ball over the bar for the free, but other than that, Jesus, Kim McCall were just all over them all over them and 
Yeah, when you look at say Carlos Murphy's statistics before the game as well, he scored two sixteen, two I think it was two eight from play before even the game started between the Leash final and the Leinster Championship. He didn't get a sniff other than a freeze. And when you look at Kilmercourt's defence as well, even um, their defender, I think uh, Tim, I think his name is Clancy at fullback, I'm really impressed with him. I know he made a few mistakes at times, but I thought he marshaled that defence really well. Dan O'Brien, I've been saying it for a few years, why is he not on the Dublin team? Seriously. He's a very, very good player, very athletic. Andy McGowan's a very good club player. Darren Mullen, Shane Cunningham. Shane Walsh didn't have his best night. And Kilbacote still strode to victory. He didn't have his best day against Nace either. You know, so Shane Walsh even has a few more gears to go up on. That's the scary thought. And you have Paul Mannion in next year for the All-Ireland City Wines and the Finals. This is scary stuff. I mean, this Kilbacote team, I don't know when it's going to stop. But as I said before, I think the worry would be the easy run to the All-Ireland Finals. That'd be my only qualm about Kilbacote. But other than that, they're going along nicely without playing particularly well. Yeah, I was going to say that actually from a chemical croaks point of view. Like, what do you think is the is there a weakness sort of in this team? Because when you do look at it, it is hard to sort of see. Like in the in the Dublin final, to be fair, you know they didn't start the greatest, and there've been times in the Dublin championship where they have looked a bit flat. Teams have put it up to them, you know. Like I think it took a bit of time for Walsh to sort of find his feet. Um, but you do look at it now, and you sort of think maybe complacency could be a potential sort of weakness for Kilmico Croaks, but at the same time, it's it is hard. Like you don't see too when you watch them play, you don't see too many weaknesses in their side. Um, you know, maybe if they have a bad start against a team like the Downs or in an All Ireland semi final, you know, and they're trying to recover and they're playing the chasing game, maybe then it might be a little bit different. But what do you think? Yeah, I suppose it's a valid argument, definitely. Like, uh, they need to be tested um, going to the other final, definitely. Even though I, I look, look at the stats of the game that I did last night, their bench, Kilbacode's bench, got uh, or um, their fellas that were named on the bench even um, a weekend before or something like that, scored four points overall. Park Purcell scored two points, Keane O'Connor one point, and Brian Sheehy one point. That was the Port Arlington total. I mean... And when you think about the bench is another strong aspect for this Kilmacote team. The worry is they haven't been tested other than the Dublin Championship and they still pass through that. I, I couldn't say with flying colours like Nafina could have even won that game in the Dublin Championship. Like Kula put them under pressure as well. Um, like Teams in Leinster are not, just not going to put them under pressure. I suppose Nace and Port Arlington were the closest to that and they just swatted them aside. Well, I suppose... Another thing, it's I know it's nitpicking and stuff like that, but they needed something to happen at the start of the game to kickstart, you know, a performance. When you think of the Nace game, it took a bit of stupidity. The Nace player putting the ball down and Darren Mullen kicking it into an empty net. A bit of a fluky goal when you think about it. The Andy McGowan goal again last night was a bit of a fluke. Like, I, I just wonder, if they don't get that sort of look against the downs at the start, how will they react later on in the game? You know, that, that's an interesting um, aspect. I know it's nitpicking, you know, um, like, I'm trying to make excuses on why Kilmer could, could be beaten, but there could be one. Like, the Downs have to be, you know, steady at the back. They need to be disciplined. And to be honest, I know it was a very good game, that first game in Crow Park, but the Downs weren't really setting the world like defensively against uh, Rattle. So that would be something they need to improve on, definitely. If they could do that, if they could work on that in the training ground and not allow Kilmacote to score a goal in the first 10 minutes, 
they might have a chance, a slight chance. But even then, later on in the game, Kim McCord will just bring on the likes of Brian Shee, Keane O'Connor, and still run away with victory. You know, so I don't know how do you stop them, really. They're a um, machine, really, of a club side, and they'll be very difficult to stop. Yeah, and that was even leaving me to think as well that like the standard of club football in Dublin is very high, and I think that's probably obvious enough given the, the fact that Dublin have been or were South dominant in, in inter-county football for a, long, for a long time. But when you look at it, like most sides who get out of Dublin do tend to go on All-Ireland runs. You think of Ballyboat and St. Enders down the years. Sometimes there is the odd shock and, and, and sort of a trail that happens. You know, St. Vincent's, for example, getting getting beat, um, you know, by Rat New. And you obviously had Mullen Yachta uh, one year who turned over Kilmichael Croke. So, like, you do get these shocks, these trills and everything else. But... I think it does show that the standard of, of club football in Dublin is very high, given the fact that like Croaks nearly got beaten on a couple of occasions. I mean, Kula nearly beat them in the quarterfinals. Thomas Davis gave them a fairly tough test, in fairness. Nafina gave them a very good test in the Dublin final. Fair enough, you might say that Kilmichael Croaks were still integrating Shane Walsh into the side and you know just had Paul Mannion injured, so they had to sort of find a way to play without him. And you know everything else, maybe weren't playing to their absolute best, but Generally, I think it does show as well that the standard of club football in Dublin is quite high. And I suppose that isn't too much of a surprise, really. You look at the resources and everything else that these clubs have. Yeah, I suppose. And another thing as well, they're close together. As you mentioned earlier on, at the start of this podcast, in fact, like all the clubs are really close together and it's easy to get to Parnell Park, get to Crow Park or wherever they need to train or whatever, and even get to club pitches around the county. Like Dublin, it's it's a... It's a city with a big population, but I suppose the area of the actual county is very, very small compared to the likes of Cork, Kerry, Galway, Mayo, all them counties, even Meath, Kildare. So I suppose that's a positive in, in Dublin as well. It's, it's funny because a lot of people on Twitter were saying Dublin hasn't really um, set light in the championship over the last few seasons. It it doesn't produce a good championship and stuff like that. And they were complaining about it being shown at TG Car and RT. Look, the proof is in the pudding there. Look at Kilbico Crooks. Look at the, look at the test they got in Dublin up until now. And when you look at the Leinster sides trying to challenge Kilbico, Nace and Port Arlington both fell by the way so pretty badly, you know. So it it just show, kind of shows that the Dublin Championship is up there with um, with quality and stuff like that. And even the likes of Stephen Crooks and he plays for a club like Parnells. They're way. I don't know what where exactly they are. There might be junior. I don't, I don't know where they are to be honest with you. But even um, the Brogans, they played with um, St. Oliver Plunkett's own Rua. They wouldn't be the best club side either. Um, when you look at the FINA, they haven't won. I don't think a club championship in a few seasons in Dublin. Um, Bally Bowden, even the last few years, they. They were pretty decent coming out of Leinster as well. So, yeah, like, like the Dublin Championship is up there with a uh, good quality. But um, I suppose I, I suppose you probably would agree with me that um, the size of the county, not particularly the population, the size of the county in area is a big advantage to Dublin because you could just travel short its distances and stuff like that. That could be up there as well. But And it could be the you know the money being pumped into Dublin GA as well. It could be two factors, but it's undoubted. Dublin football is way ahead of Leinster. I don't know. Is it ahead of um, let's say Derry club football? Um, It definitely is ahead of Kerry club football without a doubt. Um, Cork club football. If we can produce Nemo Rangers, it is ahead of us, no doubt about it. Galway, I suppose, is another one. Probably Galway Derry 
other than that, Dublin look very good. All the clubs in that uh, senior championship, it, it's something that Dublin do very well, like organising the club championships. And I was going to ask you this about uh, the Dublin championship. Do you do it like um, the Cork championship, like Premier Senior, Senior A, Premier Intermediate, or do, do you just go um, Senior, Intermediate, Junior? Or what way do you go about Hmm. Well, usually it's like senior, senior two, and then there's intermediate as well, junior. Um, so there is sort of a, a few different few different grades that go in there. I mean, usually with senior one, senior two, that's just sort of for promotion. And then obviously your intermediate winners will go into, um, you know, intermediate championship as as well. Like So, yeah, that, that's kind of usually how it, would, how it would work there. But, yeah, I would agree with what you're saying as well. Like, I think, I mean, it goes without saying, you know, before people go in the comments, like there is a lot of resources funding in a lot of Dublin clubs I think you know it, it is very well document, documented that Chemical Croaks I think of more members in their club than Leitrim have in terms of population so you know like Chemical Croaks like you could probably split them in two or three like you know like and you know set them into different clubs because they 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 are such a huge club make no make no question about that but um but yeah nonetheless it will be very very exciting to keep an eye on the Leinster final moving on to the Munster championship action Comment here from uh, Gavin O'Reilly, who says, I was in Tume at the Connacht semi-final. Disappointing from a strokes down perspective. It wasn't really a seven-point game difference till the end. Not sure if Moy Cullen will go far there. We're six to eight wides. Yeah, absolutely spot on there. Like, I didn't watch the game personally. Um, so when I seen the score, I sort of assumed that it was a fairly easy you know, one-sided victory for Mike Cullen, but looked at a match report, Cena went to extra time, seeing that, you know, Strokestown had multiple chances to potentially win the game. Mike Cullen maybe not playing at their best as opposed to how well they played against Westport. But look, I suppose from Mike Cullen perspective, like you're not going to play brilliant every single time. Like you're going to have disappointing performances. You're going to have great performances. Um, and look, they still came through. They still showed that resilience to get the victory and, Going into a Connacht final against Turles Tran, who we'll get on to later. Look, Mike Cullen will certainly go in there as favourites. And um, yeah, big results. What were your thoughts on this? Yeah, very good, big results. I was actually looking at uh, the score midway through the bars of Ballier game, actually, on um, on various apps and Twitter and stuff like that. It was actually, it was seven all after uh, full time. And I was surprised to hear us, really. Um, I thought Strokes Town would get a bit of a trimming off uh, Mike Cullen because they were, the way Mike Cullen played against Westport last week, even the score they put up. But, Jesus, it, what a performance by Strokestown. They gave it everything. It, it seemed like anyway on the match board and everything. And it seemed like just two goals in extra time from um, Garo Davern and Sean Kelly, the Godway senior, just killed the game as a contest. Um, in the end, like they scored, the extra time score was actually 2-1 to no score. So it, it kind of suggests to me that Strokestown kind of tired um, as the game reached extra time, but that's understandable. The amount of um, effort they showed in this game it was incredible. And um, yeah, my colour march on, they'd probably be favourites going into the final. It probably shows as well they have that extra um, extra drive to get over the line as well. They have the extra strength and conditioning over the likes of Strokes Town or Florida Strand at this particular moment in time. And that's probably why they got over the line. But you'd have to wonder if Strokes Town took a few chances in normal time, we could be talking about one of the shocks of the weekend, you know, but alas, it is a Moy Cullen win, it was a, it was a, it's a win, a win is a win, but looking at the score, it was seven points apiece after full time, I wouldn't be convinced if I was a Moy Cullen fan looking at that, I know Strokes Tom put everything into it, 
But before the game, a lot of people were saying that Boy Cullen would stroll to victory. And it was quite the opposite in this game. So they'll be worried about going to the Connacht final. Like Turtle Strand will be will be thinking, Oh, we could shock Boy Cullen here. If we take our chances, if we sit up defensively and sound, we could even pull off a shock here because let's not forget Turtle Strand are actually more experienced in the Connacht Championship than Mike Cullen. Mike Cullen haven't played the Connacht Championship before this year anyway, since 1985, I think it was. Like, Turtle Strand have played there like seven years in a row or something. So, like, that just shows, like, Turtle Strand are used to these pressure situations. Mike Cullen, maybe not so. And maybe the way the game got away with, with from Westport last week, Mike Cullen didn't get the whole experience of that uh, high-pressure cooker game last week. They did know this week, maybe that's an advantage, but they got out of jail badly in this game, even looking at the match report. But, the two goals, goals win games, and yeah, strength and conditioning seems to win games as well, but strokes time, they could put their heads up, and I didn't expect them to put up a chance whatsoever, but they did, and they nearly caused a shock. Yeah, I thought they'd put up a bit of a fight, just given the fact that Roscommon Club football is usually pretty strong, like when you think of Podrick Pierce's and, and everything else, but... Certainly, given Mike Cullen's performance against Westport, it was a surprise to, to see this go to extra time and, and sort of be um, as competitive as it was. Laura says here as well, the ref was certainly on the Mike Cullen side. First goal was a clear foul on the Strokestown man, Mike Cullen, with at least nine wides. Yeah, I'll definitely have to see the, the game back and, and see the highlights. I mean, plenty of controversy between Galway and Roscommon club sides in the last couple of years, so um, it certainly wouldn't be... A surprise to, to see that again, but um, yeah, look from a strokes down perspective, I'm, I'm sure they can you know keep their heads held high, good performance, all the rest. Obviously, first county title, I think, in 20 odd years there. So, like a disappointing defeat, and they'll certainly maybe look back and, and sort of you know rue those missed opportunities. But like in the end, like I suppose Mike Cullen were they were just we're, I suppose it's maybe the side that just got more luck on the day. I suppose so, but even looking at the comments on uh, on this chat here, like if that's the case, my God, you know, I, I would have to, I have to look at these TG Car highlights tomorrow. I have to look at this first goal because once my Cullen get the first goal, they're gonna kick on with all the dogs, and the strokes on heads would have dropped. That's what that's what I'm thinking anyway. And um, the fact that my Cullen had nine wides or something like that as well, it trying to suggest to me that. They haven't been under this t- sort of pressure before in a kind of championship, these these players. Because they certainly weren't last week against Westport. They weren't out today. They got out of jail, but maybe at the wrong expense, maybe there was um, a bit of controversy. I, I don't know. I have to watch the highlights to be the judge of that tomorrow. But, geez, I remember that um, that day between Mobility Mo- Moynock and Padre Pierce's. Um, maybe the Galway clubs deserve a bit of luck after that, but... My God, I, I have to see the highlights to make a, make a valid argument on this. But if he, if that is the case, if that comment um, is 100% correct, wow, there's a bit of controversy there. And Mike Cullen definitely got off the hook with uh, that result. But um, as for strokes, Tom, look, Cahill Compton scoring one point, Shane McGinley two points, very good performances. Dormant began with four points as well. He was very accurate on freeze, I was hearing as well. So... Like very good performance from Stroke Town. Again, they could hold their heads up high, but at the same time, will they get this opportunity again? Like I was thinking that I I, I was in the same situation with the Bars in um in a uh, in the other last year. Like they 
they, people are saying they can hold their heads up high against Kilku and things like that and they will be back again next year then Nemo beat them in Cork and they have to go again next year you know it's it's hard once you win a Roscommon title but to do it two years in a row that's going to be very difficult you have to imagine Patrick Pierce's will be back uh, St. Bridget's will be back Boyle they'll be firing the belly again I'd imagine with the Smiths there and Donny and to win a first title since 1927 there so yeah, and strokes are only even won the Roscommon final by only only the minimum, by a point. So that just shows how competitive the Roscommon final was and how hard it is to get out there. So to win it twice in a row, that would be very hard for them. So today, I know people will say brilliant performance like us two here, but that would be heartbreaking for them. They'd be thinking, when are we going to get this opportunity again? And they might never. Which is which is sad. It really is sad if that decision, that first goal, really went against them. And it is sad, but look, sport is sport. Things happen like that, and yeah, they have to move on, unfortunately. Yeah, and Gavin will say here, still a great year for Stroke Sound Owen to progress. Their main problem is probably discipline. They got all three cards today and some in other games, but the Connacht final should be interesting. Uh, just looking at some of the scores in total then on that day, so or in this game, so Desi Keneally with four points, Sean uh, Kelly in there with a goal, Ushin Gallagher with three points for Strokestown. Uh, you also had Patrick Kelly in there with uh, with a point, Davron in there with a point as well, or with a goal, I should say. And then for Strokestown, Jeremy McGann with four points, uh, Sean McGinley with two points, Cahill Compton, in there uh with a point as well uh the, the team they will be playing in that kind of final is turles strand and this was a sort of a weird game as well i was looking at this on or keeping an eye on on scorpio and a strange game because there were six points to one down a half time against saint mary's saint mary's didn't score at all in the second half and turles strand scored seven points without reply to turn it around so they only kicked one point in the first half which is sort of mad six points to one down like obviously great for them to turn it around and i'd imagine this game was probably very cagey very nervy i mean so much on the line a chance to get to a corner club final which rarely happens but i suppose maybe in a similar fashion to mike cullen they got the result they got the win they came back from five points down a half time when things weren't going well so it does show their resilience to, to turn that one around it does, yeah. And I suppose the only the only suggestion for that is St. Mary's had the wind in the first half and Torres Strand had the wind in the second half. Yeah. That's probably it, to be honest with you. Because um look, we've seen it with the weather over the last few weeks. The wind has proved a factor, it isn't just quality or strength and conditioning or fans or home advantage. It is the wind. People are even asking about the wind on Twitter. You know, it's 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 getting crazy at that point. But judging by that. Yeah, Torres Strand were lucky to get out of jail in this game. And my thoughts was going to be much more convincing than this. It's funny because St. Mary's scored 2-3 of them, the, the last 2-3 of their last game against St. Kieran's to win the game. They won that game 2-8 to, to 1-8. They were 1-8 to 1-5 down going into the last quarter. St. Kieran's didn't score at all in the last quarter and St. Mary's took advantage. Similar here, like St. Mary's didn't turn up in the second half or the win was ferocious. I, I don't know what it was. People in the comments, let us know, please. But, um, like, um, yeah, it was that kind of game, I'd say. Like, Liam Gong got four points. Pretty good performance by him. Paul Keady, very good all year for St. Mary's. Got three points himself. Um, and then there was one-point scorers in this game. Kenny Gavigan, Gary Gohan, uh, Ryan Kennedy and John Francis Carr won the game for Toro Strand. So, 
very good performance. I've seen Phelan O'Donnell, a slight under 20, was actually on the bench for Torres Strand in this game, which was a bit of a surprise. Maybe they brought him on in the second half and things started to pick up again. But um, yeah, they're in the final. Um, yeah, you'd want Torres Strand to win because obviously there's another there's another podcast host on the panel, if you noticed. Um, so look, it'll be lovely for him to win a kind of title. Like, it'll be brilliant for all the podcast hosts. It'll give us hope, really, that winning a provincial title after presenting um, GA Fan TV or GA Statsman podcast or something like that. So, uh, big up to Rian Bailey there. But, um, yeah, Torres Stranor in the final. Very good achievement for them. But, um, yeah, it will be a big final against Michael. And it's, it's interesting because both sides, look at match reports and um, hearing from yourself or Scorpio or any uh, anything like that, both sides are going into the game being extremely lucky in the semi-finals. It'll be interesting to see how both sides set up in the final. We'll have to see now. It'll be undoubtedly live in TG Car or something. So it should be a good watch. Maybe not necessarily a good watch because um, my colleague scored two eight inside 90 minutes or 80 minutes, sorry. Torres Strand scored eight points inside 60 minutes. So judging by that, it should be a bit of a low scoring game in um, in that final, but um, still an intriguing watch nonetheless. Yeah, and as you said there, like I imagine there was a huge, huge win certainly on the on the west coast of Ireland as as there usually is, um, and certainly from looking at a lot of intermediate games and Connacht and everything else, definitely a lot of low scoring games. So you'd imagine that probably did did uh, play a big, big factor in the end. But as you mentioned there in the Connacht final, like Moy Cullen, uh, Turla Strand, Turla Strand will certainly give themselves a, a big, big opportunity. Like, what do you think they? sort of need to do to to go and, and win the game? I mean, is it setting up defensively? Is it going at them from the get-go, staying in the game? Or, or what do you reckon? Like, how can they give themselves their best opportunity at, at causing a surprise? I suppose, first of all, they have to start their best players, I think, from the very get-go. Like, uh, Philip O'Donnell, I think, needs to start for Torres Strand. He was like under 20 teams midfield for a reason there. So, and that was just like under 20 team that won the kind of championship. So they were pretty good. You know, he's pretty good that way. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely start him. Probably set up defensively, go on the counter-attack. That would probably be the main aim for Torres Strand just to sit back. They, like uh, like uh, Mike Cullen. Other than the Westport game, in the games against, um, I think, who were they playing in the final? The Galway final. I think they were against Salty and Nakara. They were, they were very low in scoring that day. They needed a Peter Cook goal to get them out of jail. They needed a few decisions to go their way today against Strokes Town, apparently. So, like, they need a bit of luck as well to go their way. I think it could go either way, actually. I think this is an intriguing game, and it could be a situation. Remember, Patrick Pierce is going to the final against Notmore last year. A lot of people are backing Notmore to win the final. A lot of people. And Patrick Pierce has turned up and won it. Torres Strand, I think, are more experienced in this, in this kind of championship. So, that will stand to them. Jeez, oh, it's in two weeks' time, so I, I really don't know who's going to win this game. It's going to be a very, very tight encounter. But oh, gee, I, I'd have to, I'd have to go back to you on the prediction there. But it should be a very, very intriguing game. But Torres Strand need to sit back. They need to take every opportunity they get as well. They need to play. I think with the wind, probably in the second half, because because then the legs would be tired and stuff like that, and you would. You could gain a bit of confidence. The more shots that go over the bar in the second half, and whereas the team is against the wind and the and the legs are tired, the more frustrated you get, the bad the badder it gets in a way. So, I suppose 
that be thing to play with the wind in the second half, to sit deep, to hit them on the counter-attack and to start their best players. They have to do that sort of strand to win the game. But a lot of people back in my Cullen, I'm not so sure. I think this will be a tighter game than people think. Yeah, I think so as well. I think it really could go down to the war, possibly extra time and possibly possibly even beyond that as well. So definitely be worth uh, be worth keeping an eye on. Moving on to the Hurling action then, uh, we'll start off with the Munster Club Senior Hurling Championship semi-final. Bally Gunner at 220, Napiršić 215, an absolute cracking game of, of Hurling, undoubtedly a, a club classic, of, as many people have called it, an inter-county game amongst two clubs is what many people have called it. I was watching the majority of this game, but I was flicking back between that and the and the World Cup. I kind of wish I just had it just stuck to, to this game, to be honest. But nonetheless, like I mean, highly entertaining. Like Bally Gunner, you know, looked down and out. Well, not down and out at halftime, but five points down at halftime. You know, like a, a big, big turnaround coming up against a very, very good Napierschik side from Limerick. But again, Bally Gunner show why they're champions and to turn it around and the way that they've done and win by five points. Ironically enough, it kind of rem- reminds me a bit even of Limerick at inter-county level, the way they'd sort of, they might have a struggle in first half, they might be four, five, six points down, but they'll find the answers and they'll find the ways to win. And again, that's what's happened here for Ballygunner. Absolutely. Uh, I was watching the full game. Thank God I wasn't watching Qatar against Ecuador. It was an absolutely terrible game of football, but this was incredible. It was a very good game, particularly in the first half. Like, um, the Pearshig started like a house on fire. They went seven points to the two in front, I think. And then Daisy Hutchinson hits that goal. I'm thinking, okay, Ballygunner are going to come back into this game now. But then the Pearshig struck two brilliant goals. Like Coy, um, Keith Dempsey with a brilliant goal. And then Connor Boyle with a net buster as well. And I think I thought at that stage, the Pearshig 211 to 19 in front. I think Ballygunner, I thought Ballygunner were gone. In all honesty, like this the Pearshig team, similar to the Limerick teams in the past and present. They're going to go full throttle until the last few minutes. But in fact, the Pierce scored four points in the second half. I mean, and this is this is a team that contains mostly Limerick players. When you look at it, David Dempsey's been part of the Limerick panel a few seasons. Connor Boylan, Kevin Downs, Peter Casey, of course, Mike Casey. I think there was another factor as well. Mike Casey went off injured at a crucial point in the game. And that's where Ballygunner um, started to you know, gain a bit of joy. Like it was a... Big boost to him. Patrick Fitzgerald's goal was brilliant. It put a point between the sides. Then Bally Gunner started hitting points over left, right and centre and won the game in the end. But it kind of showed how tight a game it was. The the Bally Gunner celebrations at the end of it. It was almost like they won the All-Ireland already. It was incredible. You know, and, you you know, it kind of shows what performance the Pierschick put up against Um, yeah, it was a, it was an excellent showing, excellent showing from uh, Paddy Gunner. But um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the Pierschig, they were they were very good and still they didn't win the game. But um, I suppose yeah, they'd have to learn from this. They have to learn how to manage the second half better. And um, yeah, they'd have to do that in future. But I suppose um, part a board apart man as well. Thirteen points, seven for Blay, incredible. He has to start for Waterford next year. I saw Davy Fitz actually in the crowd. He was wearing a red cap, but um, TJ Carr spotted him eventually. So, um, yeah, he has to be on the, even the team, not just the panel next year. He's an incredible talent. And yeah, Bally Gunner march on. And the question is, if the Pierce can't stop them, who will? 
Yeah, what do you think, Shane, for Ballygunner sort of going into the second half? Because as you said, like first half, they just seemed maybe they couldn't get to grips with some of the Pearson sharpshooters, as you mentioned before, like they were winning a lot more ball. But what do you think changed from a, a Ballygunner perspective going into the second half? Yeah, I suppose the big thing was um, they had that halftime break. That, that was a big thing, to be honest with you. And the, another big thing was Mike Casey going off because he's a colossal. He was a colossal for Limerick all season long, and he was marshalling that full back line from the Pearson excellently. So once he went off, the, the, the structure was all gone out the window for the Pearson. And Ballygunner took advantage of that. And they started driving at the Pearson. That was, that was the big thing. They started saying, we can't fear this team and stuff like that. And even like the TJ Carr interviews, actually, if you listen to them, they were actually mentioning they didn't get this sort of a test since Ballyhale Bally Shamrocks at the start of the season in January. You know, and... Maybe that was a factor as well. Like Kid Ron last week they, or two weeks ago, should I say, they won that very, very comfortably. They won the Watford final very comfortably as well, despite um, Mount Sion having the likes of Osset Gleeson and their team. Like Bally Gunner almost like an inter-county team themselves. So I suppose it was a bit of um, laxadaisiness in the first half. Like they didn't expect... Well, the players actually said they would have expected the beer chick to put up a t- uh, challenge like this. They have intercounty players after all. But it seemed to me in the first half that they didn't expect it. A bit like um, the Bars against Nemo in the Cork football final. And that could have drained the team in a way. But it kind of shows what good champions they are. To come back from a five-point deficit at halftime, to go out the second half, to go head for later and still win the game. And their defence improved as well. Like when you look at Philip Mahoney in the second half, he was catching the balls left, right and centre. He was incredible. You know, and he wasn't doing that in the first half. They conceded two eleven. It wasn't it wasn't particularly brilliant from them, but to score one eleven in the second half, you know, it was it was incredible. It was an incredible performance by them. Their key men stepped up as well. Kevin Mahoney, I see, did a bit of donkey work at the back line. Then he didn't. He wasn't having his best day in the forwards. Daisy Hutchinson, Hutchinson the same, but they went back there. They defended for their lives and they won the game in the end. I think that was a key factor as well. So probably. The defensive solidity going in a half time, the the way they were tested in the first half kind of taught them a lesson. And my Casey going off, I think, was a big thing as well. Yeah, like and I, and I think as you were saying there for Ballygunner, like the fact that they got this test, this tough test, like that's really going to stand to them because like when you think about it, like Ballyhale, you'd expect are going to be favourites to come through Leinster, going to be the side to, to come through Leinster. Most people, including myself and probably yourself, would have Ballygunner as favourites versus Ballier. Those two sides are, um, you know, going to be playing each other in a semi-final, Ballygunner and Ballyhale, if they both come through their respective provinces. So, like, for Ballygunner to get a test like this under their belt, as opposed to Ballyhale, who, like, are they going to get that well-tested against Nace? I'm not so sure. Chemical Croaks might cause them one or two problems, or, or St Mullins, but you'd still fancy Ballyhale to be fairly comfortable for Ballygunner to have gotten a test like this, you know, gotten those lessons five points down, understanding their defensive mistakes, recognizing, you know, what changes to make in their team at half time, it's definitely going to stand to them going into a potential All Ireland semi final against Ballyhale, who most people would perceive as sort of like the real final because it is the two best club teams in the country. So that could be crucial for for uh, for Ballygunner. Absolutely, yeah. To even look at their whites today, not just their defensive. In the whole game, they had 10 whites. Like, I suppose 
they won't get away with that in the future. Like the piercing, I don't think they've been in a fever pitch situation like this for years. That probably was a big factor in it too. But even look at their puck out retention. They they won 91% of their puck outs, Bally Gunner. And some of them are actually long. It probably just shows the strength and jet they have in midfield. And even, I mentioned part Manny, Connor Sheehan in midfield got four points from play today. He was incredible. You know, and Bally Gunner have that uh, talent all over the field. They could bring on Harry Ruddle, who's a goal-scoring hero. Obviously, he scored a goal against Kid Ron McDonough. He scored that crucial goal against Bally Hayes Shamrocks as well. He's a goal-getter. And you could get him on the pitch as well. So we talked about Kilbert Cole at the start of the show having um, an abundance of talent even off the bench. Bally Gunner are the same. Like they're almost like an inter-county side. The Pierce, to be fair to them, are kind of like the nearest to that in Limerick as well, to be fair to them. Maybe Patrick's well as well as that. But Bally Gunner, they're way ahead in Walford. They're streets ahead. I think they'll provide Bally a bit of a trimming in the Munster final as well, to be honest with you. They're that kind of a team. I think today was the Munster final, this in the Pearcey Bally Gunner game, because both of them were absolutely excellent. So, um, yeah, it should be uh, very interesting to see how Bally Gunner progress in the next few weeks. Um, like, um, Bally Hale, like, uh, they, they probably won't have, like, this, I think, could provide a bit of a taste in the first half and then wilt the second half, kill but could, possibly. Uh, like, they have good players. And as you mentioned with Dublin, the quality of championship in football, you have to take the same in hurling. It's pretty good as well. And I see Dublin finals and stuff like that. It's pretty good quality. So they'd be putting it up to Ballyhead Shamrocks as well. So, look, I'd say they still have a lot of work to do, Ballygunner, especially in the game against Ballyhead. But in Munster, anyway, I think they've won it already. I think they're a very good side. And they could be out of sight very quickly in that Munster final, I fear. This could be a foregone conclusion pretty early on. And yeah, Bally Gunner could be on the way to the All-Ireland semi-final even already. Yeah, and in the other semi-final, it was Bally A won 12, St. Finbar's 14 points. As you mentioned there, like Bally Gunner absolutely wiped the floor with Bally A last year. Um, I think it was in a Munster semi-final. So you would expect Bally Gunner to do similar. But look, Bally A in the end getting the job done. Like, going to be honest, don't think it was a particularly great game. Very low scoring. Mm-hmm. For a hurling match like 112 to 14 points there was times i was watching it and i thought this was a bit of a, a struggle to be honest um but i suppose the red card first of all for uh connor cahillan like what were your thoughts on that i mean i suppose a controversial decision in some ways nine minutes in for a red card like that i mean it did look like a, a bit of an elbow to the head and in, in some respects but again as you were even saying on twitter like there wasn't too many conclusive replays but what were your thoughts on it yeah, that's that's the big thing. Like, I don't think there was conclusive replays. A lot of people haven't come up to with, to a decision yet. But I even admit it as a Cork fan, I love the bars that do well and all that. So I respect their club, but it's a red card. It, it is a red card. It's reckless play, in my opinion. It's needless as well. I don't know why Conor Callan has the need to throw an elbow back. I mean, he's sitting his team on the back foot already as well. And to be fair, from Conor Carlin to the next and year in the Cork Championship, and I think he should start for Cork next season because of the effort he gives. I think he's an honest player. He's an absolutely excellent player that way. But early on in the game, it was needless. Like, I honestly thought, looking at the game, it was poor quality. But really, it was poor quality because of the red cards. I thought without the red card, the Bars would have won the game, honestly. I think they were the much better team. But he had just had an absolute genius in Tony Kelly to grab them out of jail. That, that was that was the difference between the teams. Tony Kelly and the red cards. Other than that, the Bars were the better team. 
I think anyway. I, I might be throwing my cork bias hat, but on I don't know what you think yourself, Aaron. I just thought the bars were the better overall team on the day. I thought Ballier, like I looked at Ballier, I thought they were very poor. Like a lot of people were mentioning Aaron Griffin played well. I thought he's I know he's a clear footballer, his first touch was very poor. Gary Brennan got mad in the match. I, I honestly thought other than the goal, Gary Brennan didn't do much. I, I don't know what, what you thought yourself. I didn't think he did much. I think it was honestly Tony Kelly brilliance that won the game for Ballyhead. And um, but to answer your question, a lot of people like Colin Parks are saying it's harsh. A lot of people, uh, maybe yourself, would say it's harsh. But in my honest opinion, it was a red card, and I think it was needless for Conor Callan to do it, especially early on in the game. And it was after, straight after the goal for Gary Brennan as well. I think it was just frustration. Honestly, it was just frustration. I know that's not an excuse for Conor Callan here. But, yeah, I, I think it was, honestly, he lost the head at that split second. And it kind of cost his team in it. Yeah, like, I would agree. I do think it is It is a red card. Like, I think it's one of them where if the opposing player doesn't go down, uh, you know, then maybe he stays up. Um, obviously, it was a smack to the helmet, so it probably didn't cause too much sort of damage to the... <laughs> the head or whatever but at the same time you can't be doing that like I think you know I suppose referees and officials all the rest trying to set an example up and down the country you can't be be hitting people regardless of of the scenario so I do think it was a fair decision might have seemed a bit harsh maybe with the timing given that we'd only played you know nine ten minutes or whatever it was um but if that happens at the 45th minute it's a red card so why should it be any difference after eight or nine minutes um and as you said there, like, I mean, yeah, I thought Gary Brennan was 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 all right, to be fair. Like, I thought his link-up play was good. I know he got a good goal. thought he, he contributed quite well to the match. Um, but I do think all in all, like, it was a poor performance, really, from both sides. Like, you can understand that from a Finbar's point of view, given the fact that they were playing with, with 14 men. And it did look like they controlled the game for, for large parts. Like, they were still in front. They were still keeping within touch and distance. I always sort of expected... After Gary Brennan's goal, you then have a red card. I think Ballier are probably going to you know, win this one quite comfortably. They're going to kick on a bit, but it never quite happened. Like Finbar has really, really stuck with them, put in some, some really, really good defensive performances uh, as well sort of after that. But as you said, not a particularly great game, but you know, Ballier got the victory. And I think Tony Kelly again was you know, sort of the, the, the big turning point. He was, yeah. And even the two points from play got to the like they were inspirational. You know, even the one on the sideline, like my God, it was incredible the way he got those points and um, while we're on brilliant players, Ben Cunningham scoring nine points today, four from play, and a lot of the headlines at the end of the game would be oh Ben Cunningham missed his uh, sixty-five. Oh, you could see from him, he was absolutely devastated at the end of the game. And I hope now Cork fans won't turn on him because of this. A lot of people will say, oh, Hoggy, Hoggy's still king and stuff like that. No, Ben Cunningham's the future of this uh, Cork Harlan thing. I think he should start next year. I think he's incredible from free-taking, from play as well, which he's added to the game. I think he's incredible for the Bars this season. And one moment shouldn't define it. And it was a difficult 65. Like, it was nearly on the sideline. You know, and under that amount of pressure as well, you see from Jack Flynn, from Rat Oat as well, as well last night, the pressure these guys are on. You have to take that into account as well. And I honestly, I, I know... Um, they'd be a hero, they'd be a villain. Ben Cunningham would be the vin- would be portrayed by some people as the villain. In my eyes, he's not. I think without Ben Cunningham today, the bars wouldn't have been as close to Ballyhay as they were. 
thought he was it was an incredible performance from him to score nine points out of a possible fourteen. I mean, an incredible performance. He was a top scorer in the Cork Early Championship as well. And surely Pat Ryan has to pick up the phone to this guy now. He has to start for Cork. I would put him centre forward. I really would. I think he's an incredible player. And I think put Hoggy on the bench now, put this guy in the starting 11. He's the future, starting 15, sorry. This guy's the future. The guy's the future of Cork Hurling. People need to realise that. And don't concentrate on, a, on, a, on one miss in a game. Concentrate the whole game. He scores nine points, score four from play. What an incredible performance. And honestly, Aaron, I feel devastated for the lad because he was incredible this season. Um, like, like incredible, incredible. And I thought he was a very good performance. Why? But Tony Kelly stole the day. And unfortunately, that was the last play of the game. And yeah, you could see by his reaction at the end of it. He was absolutely crestfallen. But honestly, he should be proud of his efforts all year with the Bars to win that hurling title in Cork. Among other things, yeah, absolutely, and I think it's all it's all learning curves, isn't it? You know, you need to you need to make mistakes to learn. Like that's the only way you do learn is by making mistakes on on those big occasions. And as you said, there like four points from play, nine points in total. You know, like he he can hold his head up high. Like you know, it certainly wasn't his anything got to do with him. The fact that they lost the game and you know players miss opportunities all the time in high pressure moments. Probably one of the first times he sort of had such a high pressure point to score, I think anyway. So, you know, like definitely, definitely a, a lot of learnings to, to go in, go into that. But I suppose from a Cork point of view, like all in all, looking back at Finbar's year, you know, from a hurling perspective anyway, like I think they can be very, very happy with, with how the year has gone because not many people, I don't think anyways, correct me if I'm wrong, had them as favourites for the Cork hurling championship or even had them as contenders. So to do that, obviously playing in a semi-final, go down to 14 men, put up as good as a fight as they did. So, you know, like definitely a lot of positives to take from a, from a St. Finbar's point of view. I suppose so, yeah. And uh, you're definitely right. A lot of people wrote them off considering, like these, in years gone by, in pressure situations against the like, Black Rock, Sars, Middleton, the Rocky, uh, the Bars just folded in these games and I suppose the first game when they drew the first game actually against Charleville who went into a relegation playoff and it just shows like momentum is a big thing they went into the second game against Blackrock they won that by a point but it's skimless the margins they were the much better team on the night Blackrock had a goal to make it a bit interesting towards the end of it but overall the Bars were the much better team but to just get over the line in that game was incredible it gave them confidence they beat Sars then scoring four goals like that was incredible really in the quarterfinal they like they got over a very good Douglas team actually in the quarterfinals with the likes of Shane Kingston there so very good performance they annihilated the uh, new Newton Chandra in the semi-finals and annihilated the Rockies again in the final like they were they were incredible and even to bounce back today and I had the same thoughts even as a Cork fan once Gary Brennan goes in and the red card happens to Conor Cal and I was thinking this could be a slaughtering here. And especially in Cusack Park and Ennis, I was thinking, oh my God, this could be this could be something like 10 points, 12 points. This could be ugly. And I didn't want to end that way for the Bars, but they stuck at it. They really stuck at it. Ben, ben O'Connor has been a revelation this year. And it's a shame for Cork Hurling and for Cork football, Cork GA in general. This guy's a rugby player. He plays under 19 for Ireland. And he scored, he scored two points today. It was incredible. Ethan Toomey, I think he's the future as well. He needs to go in midfield alongside Gareth Fitzgibbon. And 
I'd be critical critical of Cork hurling in the past. What these Bars players can offer is a different dimension to Cork. Look, I think Brian Hayes, just the argument now, will he play hurling, will he play football? A big decision for the lad to make now in the winter. Does he choose football where he did well enough, in, played against Dublin and Crow Park, played against Kerry and things like that, and did relatively well? Or does he play hurling where he did very well with the Bars this season on a monumental run? It's a big decision for Brian Hayes in this winter. Ethan Toomey needs to go midfield alongside Dara Fitzgibbon. Ben Cunningham needs to go centre-forward. And I think Rob, Robbie O'Flynn and Conor Callan either side of him. We have to go for now next year with Alan Connolly at full forward, probably Shane Kingston and Dickie Dalton, I think, could be gaining the team as well. So, honestly, I think signings look very good for Cork next season. Look, when you look at throughout the team, Sean O'Donoghue, even for in a scar cornerback, he's the captain next year now. He has big shoes to fill now at the captain's armband. Noel O'Leary needs to get the team. Ger Millerick is another contender. You look at Kieran Joyce, it was a revelation this year. I know Cork didn't have the particularly the best year, but he got nominated for Young Player of the Year for a reason. Mark Holman as well. Tim O'Mahony. We actually have good players coming up in the hurling now. I know it'd be positive. And as well as that, our new management team, Pat Ryan, led, led by Pat Ryan, has gone in under the radar because Davey Fitz and Liam Cahill have come in. So I think Cork hurling is in a positive place at the moment. Like There's not much excitement about the team. I get that because of Davey Fitz and Liam Cahill coming in and Claire Limbert's performances last year, rightly so. But I'd be looking at the Cork team overall on the pitch and um, filling in the gaps, the certain gaps in the team. And I'd be looking at it. This is a positive for Cork Hurling. If we start Ben Cunningham, if we start the likes of Shane Kingston and Alan Connolly in the full forward line, if we start Ethan Toomey in midfield, I think we'll be a difficult team to beat, Harm. I really think so. And I think that's a positive for Cork Hurling. Even Lee Bryan, I think I shared it on uh, my own Instagram account. He's blocked Fred Ascari yesterday. He could be on the Cork team as well. You know, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of space to be filled. And Pat Ryan will be rubbing his hand as well. And yeah, roll on next year for Cork Hurling. I'd be more positive as a Cork Hurling fan now next year than I was in previous years. And knowing me, that's a good thing, lads. So Cork Hurling is on the way back, I feel. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, there's definitely plenty of plenty of good players coming through there. And even last year as well, like given the poor start and then the turnaround and even in that game versus Galway, I think it was, there was definitely a lot of positive performances and, and certainly... Um, a lot to be positive for from a, from a core perspective. Looking at the Ulster Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals, it was Slot Nail 224, Port of Ferry 11 points out of Derry champions there, seeing off the down champions to make it into the Ulster final in which they will play Dunloy of Antrim. Just looking at it here, Brian Cassidy in there with 1-7, Brendan Rogers with 3 points, Cormac O'Doherty with 9 points, Shane McGuigan with four points. Strong McGuigan in there with a goal as well. So, um, you know, a lot of the lads who are flying with the Derry footballers and with Slot Neil at football level, it's the same again for the for the, for the hurlers. I mean, they're absolutely flying. 224, dominant, dominant victory. And that was stand to them well now going into the Ulster final versus Dunloy. Absolutely. And even look at uh, Brian Cassidy's performance. One fight for play. Incredible performance by him, Cormac O'Doherty. I think even if he is from Derry, I think he's an underrated hurler. I've seen him in the club championship a few seasons now for shot. And I'm really impressed with this guy. Shane McGuigan, Brendan Rogers coming up to the boy yet again. Uh, these players, they never stop, do they? Excellent players um, in dual level. Obviously, I think Chris McKay was playing as well today for shot as well. So, Jesus, these lads are an inspiration. After doing so well with Derry in the Ulster Championship, winning the Ulster Championship, 
and then they're in an Ulster final now and effectively the the Ulster winners will play the Galway winners, Loch Ray or St. Thomas's in the final. So that'd be interesting. That'd be very interesting. And the winners of that reach the order in the final. So it's a big opportunity for Shot League. I think this is the biggest opportunity in years that Shot League could reach the order in the final. I think so. I know a lot of people are talking about Dunloy and rightly so. I think they're, they have some quality about them and they won a difficult Antrim Championship. But Shot League are more experienced. If we go back to experience again, Shot League have been there year in, year out. And I think they could be they could beat Dunloy because of experience alone. So it should be interesting to see how it progresses. But as for today, I think it was an easy win for them. St. Patrick, Porta Ferry. Um, like they came out of a relatively poor down hurling championship, not much for them. So yeah, it was an easy win for Shot Neil today. They'll have a tougher test definitely against Dunloy in the final. But it'll be interesting to see if they can go all the way to the order in the final now. And I think Shot Neil have a real chance of doing that. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, and obviously, the you know the, the winners will be playing the, the Galway champions as well. And we'll get on to the, the Galway final briefly before we uh, before we finish up. But um, in terms of rumours about Slot Neil, there was obviously a, a different rumour that came out uh, during the week, or news maybe, I should say, in regards to Slot Neil. Mickey Hart, obviously linked with the, the Slot Neil footballers. Um, he's obviously currently the, the loud manager and it certainly hasn't been confirmed yet that he's going to be taking charge of Slot Neil. There, there definitely hasn't been anything official sort of in regards to that, but we obviously seen Loud GEA release a statement saying that Mickey Hart's committed to Loud for 2023 and he's not going anywhere. They didn't exactly say that he could be managing Slot Neil as well. Um, so, I mean, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah, I suppose like Loud Raw was going to release that statement after it, and I, I was shocked to hear the news. To be honest with you, I knew Shotley were um, without their manager and stuff like that, and they were looking for a new manager. And I think Mickey Hart is a good man for the job. I think your old friend Park Farrelly was actually mentioning on Twitter that um, double jobbing shouldn't happen. I'm not sure about that one though, but um, look, if Mickey Hart wants to go for the Shotley job and go for the Low job. Especially with the split season, go for it. I, I have no problem with it personally. Um, I, I know a lot of people have had problems with it, but I think it will improve shot need. They have very good players like Shane McGuigan, as we mentioned, um, Brendan Rogers, Chrissy McCaig, a lot of good players all over the field. And I think with Mickey Hart in charge, that would increase their chances even more. I, I'd personally love to see it. Mickey Hart against Malachi O'Rourke next season. That'd be incredible, you know. But, um, We'd have to wait and see if the rumours are true. I think you see the Mayo rumours as well, and I don't believe those. But with, with this rumour in particular, with the Mickey Hart rumour, I believe it. the Belfast Live news. And look at Lowe's. Look, they're always going to make the statement, in my opinion. Um, there's nothing deep about it. If he's going to manage Lowe's and Shot Neil, good luck to him. Um, I'd be okay with it. I really would be okay with it. It's great for entertainment purposes to see him come against Malachi O'Rourke to come up with the story. But... I wonder, how old is Mickey Hart now? Because, Jesus, he's been around the block a few years now. And to go double jobbing in two different counties, that will take an awful lot on him. I know Davey Fitz did it with a six-mile bridge in Wexford, and that took a lot out of him. So imagine what it will take out of Mickey Hart. You know, so it be, should be a very interesting development over the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's 70 years of age. I'm um, just looking at it on, on Wikipedia there. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, when he stepped away from Toronto, I think a lot of people thought he was going to retire altogether um but if anything he's you know he's doing loads now um he's doing punditry as well with the bbc he seems to be he seems to have taken on 
even more altogether. Um, as you said there, like, a, yeah, like, a, like as, as a neutral, I like, I certainly wouldn't have a, a problem with it. Like, maybe for loud fans, they might look at it and think, you know, well, what happens if Slot Neil go all the way to an all on a final and then, you know, sort of around the start of the league, you know, loud's preparation might be slightly affected. You know, what's going to happen with training and everything else? How is he going to manage training for both Slot Neil and also? loud as well it is sort of a tricky scenario and obviously there's a lot of if buts and maybes there i think the first thing that needs to happen is well he needs to get slot nails in like an all Ireland semi-final or, or a final or, or anything of that nature um but i do think there's a lot of a lot of sort of if buts and maybes potentially to uh to be crossed but as you said before i mean we've seen what Graham's glenn up against slot neil in the last couple of years almost an inter-county game in many ways when you look at the standard of players on either side and now you could potentially have a you know an inter-county management side i mean what your grames glenn versus slot neil it's it might become a bit like the el Clasico at this stage absolutely and i suppose it was disappointing the way they they lost this year slot neil um like it was a five-point defeat. They weren't really in the game for what I'm hearing from match reports and stuff like that. Maybe it was an eight-point defeat. I'm not sure that Roddy Graham's going to get a goal in that game. But yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult defeat to take. But with disappointment, if it goes through, of course, we, we can't believe WhatsApp rumours as we all well know over the last few weeks um, with Kieran Donaghy over the last few weeks with uh, the Ross Common job. But um yeah, I, I've been treated if Mickey Hart gets the job, but uh, the fact he's 70 years of age and he's keeping on going, fair play to him, but you have to worry about his health as well <laughs> when you think about it, Aaron, you know, but he's some man, he's some manager and he's probably one of the best managers we've ever seen in uh, Gaelic football, so um, if he does take on the job, best of luck to him and yeah, it should be a very good um, a very good um, El Clasico if it does happen between Roddy Graham's game and Scott Neenad Definitely, the streaming services in Derry will, uh, the money there will go through the roof if that happens. And uh, best of luck to them if that happens. So, uh, yeah, should be interesting. Yeah, left hand says here, well done, guys. Great show. Much, much uh, appreciated there. Um, I suppose before finishing up then, the Galway final, it was Lock Ray, 20 points, St. Thomas, 117. So it goes to a replay, St. Thomas. Haven't got the five in a row just yet. They'll obviously have to, to go to a replay. A late point there from Tiernan Colleen of uh, Loch Ray after St. Thomas scored two points in injury time to look like they were going to kick on and win it. But um, goes to a replay. So I suppose St. Thomas five in a row dream will uh, have to wait just a slightly while longer. Yep. Exactly, yeah. Um, it, should, it, should, it was a difficult game actually for St. Thomas. They were down a good bit half time I was hearing for match reports and stuff like that, and they needed an Ian Burke goal to get them right back into the game. And yeah, Tiernan Killeen, I think he's 18 years of age, correct me if I'm wrong now, and he hit that uh, point. It was an incredible point towards the end. I've seen on stream sport and Twitter, it was an incredible point to equalise the game. But you have to wonder, is that a chance gone for Lockery, you know, uh, to beat this uh, St. Thomas's side? Like, again, much like the Ulster side, Shotney and Dunnoy, this is a big opportunity for either one of these Galway sides because it's effectively the Connacht final as well. The winners of this play the Ulster champions, Dunnoy or Shotney, the winners of that go into the other the final. It's in Crow Park. It's big. It really is big. And if Lockery managed to win the replay, it'll be an unreal victory. And if they do manage to win, I suppose St. Thomas did get out of jail because if they would have lost this game after losing 
to Munster champions and Leinster champions in the last two championships, if they would have lost this game, they would have been kicking themselves. They would have been thinking, when are we ever going to get to an order to find? When are we going to get that chance ever again? But yeah, and us, it goes through a replay. Um, and you'd have to wonder, Aaron, have Lockray lost their chance? I think they might have. Yeah, I mean, how many times through the years have you seen games where they go to a replay, the underdog nearly wins the game, and, and then sort of the other side goes back, readjusts, learns from mistakes, comes back and, and obviously wins it. So I think most people will, will certainly have St. Thomas as the favourites for that one. What would be your uh, club moment of the week, of the weekend? Probably um, the Leroy block for Inascara. I thought it was it was an incredible uh, piece of skill and should be shown more. And yeah, the way I know Inascara lost the game in the end, but for them to even reach a game against Ross Gray, all are the favourites. So it was an incredible day out for them, an incredible moment that they'll cherish forever. This Inascara side, they've had it's a year of lows for them in many ways. So yeah, incredible year for them, and uh, Liam Ryan should be on the books of Pat Ryan in the next few weeks as well. Yeah, I suppose I'd probably go with Tiernan and Colleen's lay points for uh, you know to to draw the game for Lock Ray fresh and the the memory and all the rest. Um, and I suppose as you said like the Ballygunner and the Pearsha game was just an absolutely outstanding game. And um, from what I've seen, really, really good and and certainly an, an excellent, excellent display. Well, I suppose cheers anyone who's tuned in. Make sure to hit the like button and subscribe if you haven't already. Appreciate all the support and. Uh, yeah, Matthew, cheers for coming on. Obviously, for people, make sure to check out the GA Statsman page on Instagram as well. Make sure to give that a follow and all the rest. So, yeah, cheers everyone who tuned in. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Matthew, for coming on. Thanks very much, Aaron. Hopefully there's a next time coming on as well.